0: Coleman, Nelson Eddie.
1: The Gulf Screen Guild Theater.
2: Your host, the director of the star's own theater, Roger Pryor.
0: Good evening,
1: everyone. Your neighborhood good Gulf dealer and the Gulf Oil Companies welcome you to the Gulf Screen Gill Theater. And we hope your entire family and all your friends are listening. Because tonight, the Gulf Theater brings you Nelson Eddy and Ronald Coleman in a special Christmas broadcast. Christmas has always been rich in legend and story. And this evening, we bring you one of the most beautiful Christmas legends of all time. It was given to literature by Anatole France. Its name... The Juggler of Notre Dame. You know, folks, tonight is the 400th consecutive Sunday evening on which the Gulf Oil Companies have presented a program of entertainment for your enjoyment. Starting with America's beloved Will Rogers, the makers of Gulf No-Knox Gasoline and Gulf Pride Motor Oil have brought you a most unusual series of famous stars. We are proud of this record. It's one of the longest in the history of radio broadcasting. And we're proud that in presenting our present program, the Gulf Screen Guild Theater, we're able not only to bring you more grand radio entertainment, but also to help in the fine work of the Motion Picture Relief Fund. The money Gulf pays for the famous talent on these programs is used to help those members of the picture industry who can no longer care for themselves. To build a home for the many who would otherwise be homeless. That's why we, here in Hollywood, Consider the Gulf Theater the star's own theater, and why all the stars are so glad to appear on these programs. For all of us in the clan of radio and moving pictures, and entertainment in general, Christmas brings a special problem. How can we celebrate the greatest of all festivals in a reverent, yet original manner? How can we discover a new Christmas idea for our program? This year we're in luck. For this year, right into our laps has fallen what many of us believe to be one of the richest Christmas plums of all. A great and dramatic legend out of the Middle Ages. A great and beloved singer to color it with music. And a screen star celebrated for his brilliant reading ability to spread it all out before you. Ronald Coleman is here to bring you the story of the juggler of Notre Dame. Nelson Eddy to sing the role of the kindly monk who befriends the poor juggler. The musical background will be painted by Oscar Bradley's augmented golf orchestra with Frank Tours conducting. And now, Nelson Eddy is the singing monk, Ronald Coleman is the storyteller, and our special adaptation of Anatole France's beautiful tale, The Juggler of Notre Dame.
2: days when the world was young, there lived in France a man of no importance. Everyone said he was a man of no importance, and he firmly believed this himself. For he was just a poor, traveling juggler who could not read or write, who went about from town to town following the little country fairs and performing his tricks for a few pennies a day. His name was Barnaby. When the weather was beautiful and people were strolling about the streets, this juggler would find a clear space in the village square. ...spread a strip of old carpet out on the cobblestones... ...and on it he would perform his tricks for children and grown-ups alike. Now Barnaby, although he knew he was a man of no importance... ...was an amazing juggler. First he would only balance a tin plate on the tip of his nose. Then, when the crowd had collected... ...he would stand on his hands and juggle six golden balls in the air at the same time... ...catching them with his feet. And sometimes when he would juggle juggle twelve sharp knives in the air, the villagers would be so delighted that a rain of pennies would fall on his strip of carpet. And when his day's work was over, and he was wearily resting his aching muscles, Barnaby would collect the pennies in his hat, kneel down reverently, and thank God for the gift. Always the people would laugh at his simplicity, and everyone would agree that Barnaby would never amount to anything. But all this is about the happy days in Barnaby's life, the springtime days, when people were willing to toss a penny to a poor juggler. For when winter came, Barnaby had to wrap his juggling equipment up in the carpet and trudge along the roads, begging a night's lodging in farmer's barns, or entertaining the servants of some rich nobleman to earn a meal. And Barnaby never thought of complaining. He knew that the winter and the rains were as necessary as the spring sunshine, and he accepted his lot. For how... Barnaby would say to himself as he trudged along... ...could such an ignorant fellow as myself hope for anything better? Now, one year in France, there was a terrible winter. It began to rain in October... ...and there was hardly a patch of blue in the sky by the end of November. Yes, a terrible winter. The poor people huddled in their thatched huts and slowly starved away... ...and it is said that the wolves came down out of the mountains and ranged through the icy streets of Paris itself. And you can imagine what all this did to the little vaudeville entertainer whom this story is about. On an evening in early December, at the end of a dreary wet day, poor Barnaby trudged along a winding country road, sad and bent, carrying under his arm the golden balls and knives wrapped up in his old carpet. Then, as he slept along in the mud, a faint sound came to Barnaby's ears over the rain and the wind.
0: Someone was coming up the
2: road, and in spite of the storm, was singing as happily as if it were a day in June. Barnaby stopped and listened, with the rain running down to the tip of his short little nose. And then, through the mists, Barnaby saw a strange sight. Coming slowly around the bend in the road was a fat white mule, and on the mule's back, with his legs sticking almost straight out on each side, was a young monk. And then the young monk would bang the mule's side with his heel, and then go on singing into the storm with all of his might. Barnaby waited, and then, as the mule came alongside of him, he ran along in the mud while the young monk sang on as cheerfully as a lamb. Now
0: the Lord sing praises, all you live in this place, and with true love and holy tide of Christmas.
2: Along near the mule's tail, staring at him. The monk smiled at him and called, It's going to be a cold night, brother juggler. And Barnaby said, His teeth chattering, y- y- Yes, indeed, sir, the- 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 very cold indeed. Well, shouted the monk, How would you like to spend the night at the monastery? Oh, said Barnaby, if I could only earn my lodging, but would they let an ignorant fellow like myself enter such a holy place? The monk laughed, Ignorant! Hop on behind me on the mule, friend, and the three of us, you and the mule and I, will soon be warm as toast. For are we not all ignorant compared to God? And that night. Barnaby found himself seated at the great candlelit dining hall of the monastery. Although he sat at the bottom of the long table, together with the servants and beggars, Barnaby thought he had never seen such a wonderful place in his life. Everybody was laughing and telling old-fashioned jokes, and there were enormous steaming pasties standing about everywhere on the table, and huge tankards of creamy foaming ale, and great pitchers of homemade wine, and... Well, Barnaby just sat and ate and drank more than he ever had in his life. And then, to cap it all, his friend the monk, now in a fine dry robe, and just as merry as ever, was standing up to sing for the assembled company. Balthazar's song, which tells the tale of one of the three wise men journeying out of the east to Bethlehem.
0: has not risen he will I and mine remain. Oh my-
2: The singer sat down again, suddenly everybody looked at Barnaby, for he had risen, trembling, and was running clear around the table to where the lordly abbot sat at the head, and there Barnaby sank to his knees, Father, grant my prayer, let me stay in this wonderful place and work for you, I cannot hope to become one of you, I am too ignorant, but let me work in the kitchen, and the fields, and worship in the chapel, the monk who had met Barnaby on the road turned to the abbot. This is a good man, simple and pure of heart. So the abbot nodded. And Barnaby that night put his juggling equipment under the cot in his cell and decided that never again would he go back to his old profession. And in the days that followed, everyone smiled at the eager way he scrubbed the floors and labored through the buildings. And everyone smiled at his simplicity. As for Barnaby, his face beamed with happiness from morning until night. two weeks before Christmas. Then Barnaby's joy suddenly turned to misery, for around him he saw every man preparing a wonderful gift to place in the chapel on Christmas. The leader of the monks had written a scholarly book in Latin, which he was going to dedicate to God on Christmas Day. Then there was Brother Maurice, who had the art of illuminating copies of the Bible. With gold and silver and rare enamels, he would place exquisite miniature paintings on the corner of each page. And Brother Marbode was completing a marvelous statue of Christ. This fine artist spent all his days in carving images in stone, so that his beard, his eyebrows and hair were always white with stone dust. And this Christmas, he was completing one of his most inspiring works. Then there was Brother Ambrose, who wrote music, and who had completed scoring a great mass to be played on the organ during Christmas services. And Brother Joseph, who had trained the choir for weeks in an arrangement of chorales. All around, those educated, trained artists followed their work, each one of them readying a beautiful gift to dedicate to God on Christmas Day. But what about Barnaby? He could do nothing. I am but a rough man, unskilled in the arts, and I can write no book, offer no painting or statue or poem. Alas, I have no talent. I have no gift worthy of the day. So Barnaby sank deep into sadness and despair. At night he could no longer sleep, but tossed on his mattress and stared at the ceiling overhead. At last Christmas Day came, and the chapel was resplendent with the gifts of the brothers. The giant organ rang with the new music, the choir sang the chorales, and the candles glittered around the great new statue. But Barnaby wasn't there. He was in his tiny cubicle, praying forgiveness for having no gift to offer.
1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: Then a strange thing happened. On the evening of Christmas Day, when the chapel should have been deserted, one of the monks came running white-faced and panting with exertion into the private office of the abbot. He threw open the door without knocking, seized the abbot by the arms. Father, a frightful thing is happening. The most terrible sacrilege ever to take place is going on right in our own chapel. Come. Together, the two portly men ran down the corridors, burst through a door, and came out on the balcony at the rear of the chapel. The monk pointed down toward the altar. The abbot looked, turned ashen in color.
1: He is mad.
2: For down below, in front of the altar, was Barnaby. He had spread out his strip of carpet... and kneeling reverently upon it... was actually juggling in the air twelve golden balls. He was giving his old performance... and giving it beautifully. His bright knives, the shining balls... the tin plate balanced on the tip of his nose. And on his face was a look of adoration and joy. We must seize him at once, cried the abbot... and turned for the door. But at that moment... A light filled the church. A brilliant beam of light coming directly from the altar. And both the monks sank to their knees. For as Barnaby knelt exhausted on his carpet, they saw the statue of the Virgin Mary move. She came down from her pedestal. And coming to where Barnaby knelt, she took the blue hem of her robe and touched it to his forehead, gently drying the perspiration that glistened there. Then the light dimmed. And up in the choir balcony, the monks were joined by the brother who had befriended Barnaby. His eyes were moist with joy as he perceived the miracle below. He turned and spoke to the abbot. God has accepted the only gift he had to make. And the abbot slowly nodded. Blessed are the simple in heart, for they shall see God.
1: Nesbitt, the noted MGM commentator, for his truly splendid radio adaptation of the Juggler of Notre Dame. You know, folks, not far from your home, no matter where you live, there's a neighbor who wants to wish you a Merry Christmas. He's your good Gulf dealer. And since he can't go around and see every one of you personally during the next two days, I'll just have to speak for him. And for the thousands of good Gulf dealers from Maine to Texas... Almost everywhere you drive, you'll find helpful, friendly, good Gulf dealers. Independent merchants who are proud to offer you quality gasoline and motor oil under the sign of the Gulf Orange Disc. So for them, and especially for the good Gulf dealer around the corner from you, let me say Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And to convey that same wish to you in music, here is Nelson Eddy singing one of the most thrilling of all religious compositions, The Lord's Prayer. When Nelson sang it on our Gulf Christmas program last year, so many of your letters came in from all over the country that we decided to repeat the number. So, again, this Christmas, we present, as we have in the past and as we hope to do for many years in the future, Nelson Eddy, the choir and the orchestra, and the Lord's Prayer.